For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRia.com. And normally when we have interviews we've been doing on the show floors over the last month and a half or so, uh, we might have those guests that when you try to go ahead and connect on the show floor, trying to get our roving reporters there, sometimes it might not all come together, but that's okay. We're always making sure that there are those that we definitely wanted to go ahead and make sure put a microphone in front of. And my next guest is no exception. He has created a cannabis research and consulting business focused on solving industry-wide problems at a farm scale. He's a certified crop advisor, licensed to consult on all aspects of cannabis production, but he has a special interest in talent in creating custom integrated pest management programs specific to a company's cited production and cultural practice. He is the owner of White Coat Laboratories. I'm joined right now with Aaron Appleby here on Grassroots Marketing. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you coming on with us, and we're glad to have you on. So you spoke at NoCo Hemp Expo 2023, and there was a panel you spoke on, which was titled Understanding Cannabis Ecology to Better Manipulate Secondary, Secondary Metabolites and Pest Populations. So with that said, your work specifically coming out of Washington State University, studying, you've been specializing in organic pesticides with an added chapter, uh, focusing on the hemp russet mite and other, and, and also on fiber hemp. And also uh, you've worked a lot when it, becoming a certified crop advisor or working in cannabis. And talk to me about the issues we do have out there that cultivators are dealing with when it comes to pest control. Yeah, you know, we have less chemicals that we get to use than normal agriculture um, in the cannabis space. In hemp in particular, since it's only been legal since 2018, the EPA is far behind in registering many of those pesticides. Those pesticides that they have been able to register for us are mainly uh, soft chemicals. A lot of them are microbials. Uh, and so for our toolbox, we have much less tools in them than normal agriculture. And not only that, but we also have less information to the farmers. We haven't been able to disseminate much of that information from the universities through extension like we have with other crops. And so with White Coat Laboratories, we're just trying to bring some of that information to the farmers. And with that said, what can you tell me so far has been a, a, an ongoing issue that you've dealt with that um, what has been most Specifically in the grow itself, what is the biggest issue right now that is encompassing most while many farmers, many growers are always wary of sustainability, any particular pesticides, trying to keep everything about as organic as possible to the plant? Yeah, well, luckily, most of those chemicals that we do get to use with cannabis are organic in nature. Uh, however, we see a lot of problems with spraying anything in as soon as flowers begins a lot of those chemicals are starting to pull off in the concentrates that we're creating and so really our main use with those chemicals are going to be early in the vegetative stage as we start to move towards flower we start to move away from a lot of those chemicals and many growers are starting to use 
commercially available biological control agents such as predatory mites or parasitoidal wasps and such of that nature. A main problem that we're seeing with a lot of these growers is that when we're able to mass release these biological control agents, they don't stay in our crop very long. They want to leave. Uh, and I think a lot of that a problem comes from how we're growing those crops. We're, we don't have a whole lot of ground cover often. We're black plastic or um, our rows are mowed down pretty short. And with what coat laboratories, we're trying to understand what's going to be able to keep those beneficial insects or mites, beneficial arthropods, if you will, in our crop longer. And so we've started to work with some of these native beneficial flowers or other plantings of flowering crops that we can then try to attract these beneficial arthropods and maintain them once they get there so they don't just leave our crop as soon as it is that we release them. Is this mostly a problem that is effective for outdoor grows? Is this something that can be effective to indoor grows? Yeah, I think both. Uh, I think outdoor in particular, because they have so many other options available to them, that cannabis is a very hostile plant to most insects. Even insects that are specialists of cannabis are finding that those secondary metabolites, terpenoids, flavonoids, the cannabinoids, they're all pesticidal in nature. And so they're actually damaging some of these pests as they're feeding on it. So they want to go somewhere else in particular, but so do our beneficials. And they'll try to find these flowering plants that they can use for their pollen and nectar sources. But inside, when these beneficial arthropods are looking for these pests and they're not finding them readily available, they might then try to go find them elsewhere, then flying into lights. They're getting trapped in other places in the grow. If greenhouse, they'll get trapped often in that plastic or the coverings. And so we're seeing it both in indoor and outdoor. We're having trouble keeping our beneficials to search for the pests. Now, the other thing I want to take from is the importance of why this is so important because of the fact of how big an issue it is to keep pest management and control very important. Cannabis plants, according to a story from Cannabis Industry Journal, they put out a story about the science of cultivating cannabis for a thriving grow operation. They said that plants are susceptible to over 90 plus pests and diseases, insects, mold, mildew, viruses, and viroids commonly infected the environment through touch, air, water, and nutrients. Uh, now, they also say that the United Nations, where they put a report out how 20 to 40% of total global crop loss is due to improper pest and disease management. Cannabis is no different. Yeah. So from some of the research you've already done, I see that there's been a lot of people that you've been working with right now at various farms and getting the word out through shows like the Hemp Expo. Uh, you've been working and talking about you know, so the various growers on the subject, what is in from what you've seen, what is the amount of crop loss that could be deterred, like that could be reversed if better pest management was in place? I mean, how much money that's the thing, I guess, for these business owners, how much money are you going to get back if you're investing in better pest management and much more strenuous pest management? 
And I think that's part of the problem, again, with the lack of information in the crop, cannabis in particular, is that many other crops have economic thresholds for these pests. Now, those are going to take several four plus years to create such an economic threshold so that we can understand just how much pests are can be allowed and then how much damage the plants can take before that economy is going to start being disrupted. While we don't have a lot of those numbers, I do see in particular indoor where those pests get in and then they don't have their native beneficials around to deter them from feeding on that, especially we see a lot of those in mm -hmm. spider mites are a particular problem that we see indoor where we don't really see a huge problem of those pests outdoor because their native beneficials are around and able to reduce those pest populations. Something I'm a big proponent of is that while pests are a problem, some studies are actually showing that small amounts of pests may actually increase our secondary metabolite production. And so to have this idea that we want zero pests may not be the right line of thought for us anymore. And we may in fact want some level of pests to increase stressors and proper stressors for those plants to then increase those secondary metabolites of interest for us. Right. Not so much pest control, but pest management. That's why I wanted yeah. to make sure I saw when I see across there, I can understand like with other grows for various other agriculture, there are some cases where some pests that are going to be able to go ahead and actually influence or actually benefit as opposed to hurt. Now, the other part that comes into play is what are the states allowing? Because there's an issue also about how there are certain pesticides. So back in December, Massachusetts had a deal where, you know, the Department of Agricultural Resources adjusted policy on the use of pesticides on cannabis, that they were allowing certain pesticides that were need to be registered with EPA, registered for use in hemp Massachusetts, labeled for both hemp and tobacco. Uh, product must be without days to harvest or indoor use. A lot of different very a lot of different rules that have to be put in this, and they wanted to put they wanted to have the jurisdiction over pesticides within the Commonwealth. So the question is, there are certain states that probably also have a limit of what you can use to help control uh, to help with pest management what is that uh what do you know about that area and what states are the most uh, strenuous and the most the most strict when it comes to these kind of things to help in that respect okay well yeah i have worked very closely with washington and oregon growers which we have two separate lists right so we have what's called this pickle list um, these pesticides that can be used on cannabis. And because we legalized high THC cannabis before the 2018 Farm Bill came out, some of those pesticides are different than what is allowed to be used by the EPA. Again, most of those chemicals are organic in nature. Many of them are generally regarded as safe. Uh, so we have these low-risk pesticides that often are microbial in nature or organic uh, that we can use on cannabis that, again, cannot be used on hemp. Now, I do know that New York is trying to keep both of those lists to be the same. So if there is a one that the EPA has registered 
that they don't have available for high THC, they want to go ahead and make that available for their growers so that what's used on cannabis is just straight across the line. There's no difference for hemp or high THC cannabis. And again, that's not the same for every state. And especially in states that were legal with high THC cannabis before hemp was legalized by the 2018 Farm Bill. So it's very important that if you're moving from state to state or if you're from one state and you've been growing there for a long time and then start to work in another state to go ahead and check those pesticides that they're legal or not. And again, because pesticide labels are federally regulated, that's federal law. And so we're just trying to help our farmers understand those risks and what it is that they can use to mitigate some of the problems in the pests. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is that back and forth kind of deal because of those that want sustainability, want everything organic. They're worried about what kind of pesticides and what organic components they have to it because there's also the part where in certain states, even Washington, they closed down a business because there was a, you know, because of the thought, thought of a cancer causing pesticide. Seattle Media reported on that. Or in California, talking about how pesticides from illegal cannabis was being, was contaminating California waterways. These kind of things are also just going to draw the ire of cannabis, cannabis control boards and departments of agriculture in various states to see, okay, what are they going to have to worry about? There's even in Washington about pesticide DDT derivatives being put into some Washington cannabis plants. These kind of things are going on without, I'm not looking for you to go and defend. I'm just saying these things are going to affect these cannabis control boards. They're going to say, we need to do something about this. Warnings will be put out. What's going to be allowed? What's not going to be allowed? If you have the chance to talk to these various states that are getting their, they're getting these complaints about this, or they're getting these obstacles in front, what would you say based on what you've done in Washington, Oregon? What should these other states be cognizant of? Yeah. First off, Washington just passed a law that our cannabis needs to be tested for pesticides. Now that may sound great to the consumers, 
But we have to understand what pesticides they're testing for. Because if you're not testing for a pesticide, you'll never find that pesticide. And so the pesticides that Washington legally has to test for in their cannabis are pesticides that aren't allowed to be used on cannabis anyway. So these are really looking for bad actors rather than to tell you if your cannabis has pesticides used on it. Now, again, these organic or these soft chemical pesticides are still pesticides. And so many people are getting confused that because these producers are saying pesticide free or free or tested free of pesticides that they did not use pesticides when that may not be the case. And so, again, other than pyrethrins and PBOs, which are a enhancer to pyrethrins so that less pyrethrins have to be used, those are the only two chemicals that we're allowed to use that are even being tested. And I think that's important for the consumer to understand. It's also important for the consumer to have those relationships with the farmers so that they know if it truly is pesticide free or if they're just free tested of free of pesticides. Again, only bad actors are going to be found out with this test pesticide testing. And I think that's important for the consumer. Now that DDT, DDE, DDD, that's really crazy, right? Those are legacy pesticides from way back in the day, orchards in particular. And these chemicals, are not being applied by the growers in any way, shape, or form. These have been illegal for years, but they're so persistent in the soil. And cannabis is such a wonderful bioaccumulator of those chemicals. That's why it's used to remediate toxic sites and whatnot, that it may be actually pulling those chemicals up. And so many of these farmer or farm owners may not have even known that these were in their site. So maybe they're not bad actors or maybe they were just negligent and looking deep enough into the history of their sites to understand if they were orchards. I don't know if some of these growers were even in tuned enough to agriculture to know that by purchasing an old orchard site that some of these chemicals would have been around. I think it's important for the consumer for us to look deeper into this. I think it was jumped a little quick in Washington to shut down all sites in that area. Um, But I do think it's important for us to have a little deeper dive for the consumers to understand that the products are safe or if some of those grows need to be moved to a new location. I talk about compliance a lot on this program and our companion series, Blunt Business. But we always talk about it from the processing side. We never take enough time, and I'm going to be, I'm going to blame myself. We don't get enough time because we don't have enough guests to come on like yourself that we'll talk about the grow themselves. We could talk about sustainability. We could talk about all the processes. Oh, we use, you know, melted water from mountains to go ahead and irrigate the crops and all this. Like that's like in the, what, Mendocino County or something like that. Mount Shasta, I remember. Or we could talk about, you know, where, which, which seeds are being used and, you know, the types of seeds and how organic and how certified they are. All these things we can go into, into account. But we just brought up several points. The cost component, because if proper pest management is in place, you're actually saving more of the crop. You're losing less. Yeah. So talking about like the, the, the possible loss that you're going to have if you don't properly comply above and beyond what is required from state boards. 
The same thing needs to be applied here because in the same way, FDA, they don't want to go and give uh, implementation on hemp. You know, can't the, the policymakers don't want to give any kind of regulation or oversight on cannabis. So it's up to the industry itself to police itself and be above and beyond the bare minimum of compliance. And that doesn't just apply to inside the processing from the re all the way to retail. We say seed to sale because it starts at seed. It starts in the grow. So with that said, is there anything, I mean, we hear various, you know, certifications or, or, or seals and all these things that people try to say that, to try to make people stand by their product of how properly they're doing, oh, pesticide free, organic free, EPA for what all this stuff, right? Yeah. What would be, now we also have been hearing about, about um, GMPs. I don't know if that even applies to cultivation, but that's another part is a uh, part of this gamut that some companies are now consultants are trying to go and bring into play as well. That's been used in Europe and overseas. What is what would be if somebody wanted to go ahead and invest and make sure that they were doing proper pest management and compliance from the beginning of the grow is put in place? What should these grows have? Well, I think it all begins with proper identification. Mm -hmm. First, you have to understand what pests are there. By understanding what pests are there, we can then understand what chemistries to use if that's a road that we want to take. By understanding what chemistries, we can use less that are going to be more specific towards those pests, less towards maybe some of our beneficials that are out there. We also, I think it's important to know that this runs all the way up, right? So as soon as we allowed for this new law to pass that had us testing for pesticides, we saw a huge decrease in the price of our cannabis. There was a lot of producers that were trying to get rid of their glut that they may have sprayed with pesticides that were gonna need to be tested soon. So they had to get this product out. That's terrible for the consumer. That's terrible for the producers who now have to compete with this price point that doesn't properly reflect what it takes to grow cannabis. There are all sorts of downstream effects that are negative when we have bad players in the game. And I think that is just the case for those who are calling their product pesticide free when using soft chemicals. Now, I think the organic agriculture is a great point for this. Washington is moving for a certification, one like you had just mentioned, these, you know, uh, certified green, clean, and some of these others. Well, Washington is now moving forward with a certified cannabis. And that logo is going to look very similar to the certified organic logo. And it will have the exact same regulations to be called organic. But because the crop is not federally legal, they are, have a different logo and uh, name for that. And when the consumer thinks organic products, they immediately two things pop to their mind and why they would use or purchase organic products. Mm -hmm. First being they believe that it's pesticide free which we just talked about, may not be the case. Correct. And in fact, most probably aren't. However, those chemistries may be softer or have less of a concern for those consumers. Now, the applicators themselves 
may be just at risk. Some of those products may be more acutely toxic to those applicators. So there is some risk there, but the consumer may have a less risk. And then second, that it's more nutritious. And so these two things are immediately thought of by consumers as to why they would purchase organic products. And for us to label our products pesticide-free when in fact they're they're not, they're maybe synthetic pesticide-free, is just misconsuming or misinforming the consumer. And by allowing it to have that organic label on it or that certified label on it, the consumers can then do their due diligence and understand that there may be pesticides being sprayed on these, but that their risk may be lower than, say, some of these harsher chemicals that normal agriculture would be able to use on their products. What a great discussion. Aaron, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us about this because this is an area that we don't get to cover much. And I, I mean, I'm glad that NoCombe Expo considered you to go ahead and speak on the panel you did on the cannabis ecology manipulating secondary metabolites and pest populations, because this gives me the larger subject, because this is the part of the grow where I don't get many people like this. And I'm glad that you were able to go and give me this insight because I haven't gotten this from everyone out there. And there's a whole lot more in the weeds we can get into about this. I'm sure we don't have enough time for it because if we really wanted to go very chemical and very, uh, you know, molecular, I'm sure you could, but I would. Be, it would be way over my pay grade. This is already over my pay grade as it is. So, <laughs> uh, now, since people didn't get a chance, if they didn't get a chance to speak with you at Nokohem Expo, is there anything you could tell us on how people can go and continue to connect with you, uh, White Coat Laboratories? Anything else you could tell us about how people can stay in touch with you and how they can stay connected with you to learn more? Thank you for asking. So, until just recently, I was only connected in the mycelium network. I just recently produced a uh, social media network through LinkedIn, which is a great way to find me at this moment. White Coat Laboratories and myself both have some sites for LinkedIn. We are in the process of getting our website, whitecoatlaboratories.com, up and running. So hopefully we'll have that for you all soon. We also have a website called 502 Insects where we are in the process of cataloging all the insects we have found on cannabis. So there may be some areas there where you can help to identify some of your insects, whether they be good or bad. That site is still under construction. Don't be turned off by the immediate page that says it is under construction. It's still usable. So we would love to get have you get a hold of us through any of those ways. We're always looking to collaborate we're always looking for more research to be done. So if you have property or you have questions, does this help? Does that help? We would love to help you solve some of those questions. White Coat Laboratories. Look so, us up. What, so would it be the best way? LinkedIn would be the best way to reach out to you? Yep. At the moment, LinkedIn would be the best way for you to get a hold of me under Aaron Appleby. Okay. We'll make sure to get that. So again, LinkedIn and look for Aaron Appleby. You'll be able to go and find him. And by the way, if you want to look for him direct, it is LinkedIn.com slash Aaron, A-A-R-O-N hyphen Appleby, A-P-P-L-E-B-Y. Check it with him. And obviously you'll see updates on the 520 uh, cannabis 
and White Coat Laboratories updates on that and a way that you can definitely connect directly to him. Aaron Appleby, Certified Crop Advisor, White Coat Laboratories. Thank you for being on. Thank you again for having me. I look forward to connecting. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.